Welcome to Lead with Confidence, the podcast where we will explore the journeys of leaders who inspire, empower, and believe in others. Join me to discover your self-confidence in love, life, and leadership. I'm Desiree Petrick, owner of Intentional Action, motivational speaker, and executive coach, and I can't wait to join your journey to learn what it means to lead with confidence. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Lead with Confidence. I'm really excited about this episode today. I do have two children. They are four and two. So this episode really hit home for me. Kara Zellis is an early childhood educator, social and emotional learning expert, and curriculum creator who received a Bachelor of Media Communications and Bachelor of Elementary Education degrees as well as an early childhood Montessori certification. She is in the process of completing a master's of education, and she is the founder of Big World of Little Dude, an educational platform teaching children social and emotional skills. Little Dude has taught Kara, Little Dude is her dog, um, Kara and countless children that being kind to others is contagious. And so we talk a lot today in the episode about how we can teach our kids emotional and social skills, specifically how do we teach them from scratch. I always say we as adults have some sort of understanding of the fact that we are good parents, good humans. We are good coworkers, or at least we try. We are trying our best with the knowledge that we have. But children truly are starting from scratch. So what part do we have in that? How can we help them? What words do we need to say? What behaviors do we need to model? And that is a lot, if not all, of what our conversation is going to be today. But first, I took a few notes on the things that I feel specifically really translated well into what it means to be a well-rounded adult, a really good employee, a good leader, not only in work, in our community, but also at home. So I want to touch on a couple of these things before we dive into the episode with Cara, which you're not going to want to miss. But one of the things that I just heard on an episode of Happier with Gretchen Rubin is the difference between a goal and an aim. And in the episode, Kara talks about how we need to help our kids set small, attainable, realistic goals. But Gretchen, she had an interesting way of distinguishing what is a goal, what is an aim, when do we need to have one versus the other, and are they interchangeable? Goals being something that we set, whether it's a weight loss goal, um, a revenue goal, a goal of how many steps you're going to walk per day, whatever it might be, those goals typically have an ending. The, the definition of the word goal, meaning that we will hit this goal if we put in the work needed to get there. An aim being something that we will never actually achieve. We aim to floss our teeth every night. That can't be a goal because if you do it for a week and stop, it kind of defeats the purpose. It needs to be an aim. It needs to be something that you never stop. Kind of like if we set a weight loss challenge for ourselves and we hit that goal and then we go back to our typical way of eating, our lack of exercise, our um, sedentary lifestyle, it's not going to translate into a lifelong change. We need to set the aim for a change in our lifestyle. So what I'm trying to get at with this goals versus aims is that you can have both at the same time, but it is important to distinguish 
am I setting a goal for myself where once I hit it, I'm willing to set another goal that's going to expand on it or change the direction if I need to, or if my goal is to buy the perfect black crossbody bag and I buy it, I can cross it off my list. Or is it an aim? Is it a lifestyle choice that I'm trying to make? Is it a 10,000 step challenge? Yes, but even if I miss a day, it's still an aim to try and get that every single day. So helping us to distinguish between these two is going to help us to translate that not only to the people that we're working with, but to the kids that we're working with, whether it be our kids or the kids that look up to us as role models, setting those things, having the consistency and the discipline to work towards those goals or those aims, and then celebrating whether it's a goal and we actually complete it or celebrating the consistency that we have of brushing our teeth every night. There's one distinguishing thing that I want to make here is that If you are celebrating a goal or an aim, make sure that it is adding to that goal or aim. If your goal is to lose weight and you celebrate like my mom always did by going to get a Dairy Queen blizzard after the weigh-in, it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. So how can you find a way to celebrate um, that isn't counteracting all of the work that you just put in? So that's one thing I want to kind of get in your mind, something to think about. Are you setting a goal or a name? Another thing that we talk about in this episode is high standards. My husband and I always say we hold high standards for one another, but that is okay because we are also holding ourselves to those high standards. I have the standard of he helps with all of the dishes. He does all of the vacuuming, which is okay because I do all of our children's laundry. We hold ourselves to that high standard of not needing to ever complain about or get upset at the other person because that standard is being held on both sides. But how do you translate that to a child? How do you translate that specifically to my my kids where we hold them to a high standard of being kind and smart and wanting to try new things and get excited about fun things and get a lot of sleep and sleep through the night. That is a standard that we hold our children to and we have put in the work to make sure that that's a possibility. But how do you manage the expectations of that? Is it realistic? Are you setting a standard that is not easily attainable, in which case it's going to backfire on you? Is it fair to set those high standards for someone so young? So those were questions that I had, and I I truly don't know the answer to. And as much as I love that we have high standards between my husband and I and my children and I, I love that expectation that we set on one another because I do think that it it elevates us. It elevates the things that we're trying to accomplish. I haven't I have high standards for myself of going on adventures with my children, whether it's going to the YMCA and playing at least three times a week or going grocery shopping and allowing them to be in that environment where some people don't bring their kids into that environment because they don't want to deal with the hassle and the stress. So it, it's truly a something that you have to set for your family, an aim that you need to set for your family. But Kara kind of explains a couple of things to me that are I found really interesting. And a lot of it is around mindset, which isn't everything around mindset and those shifts that we need to make. So I want to just give you the understanding that we no one is perfect. No one is perfect. And we can set ourselves up to feel guilty And we can set ourselves up to have our expectations not met 
But that's something that if you're working with a teammate or an employee or a boss or a leader, being transparent with those expectations and saying, this is an expectation that I hold for you, but I don't want it to be held to such a high standard that it's not realistic. And then we are feeling like we're not on the same page. So tell them your expectation get their thoughts on it. Do they feel it's realistic? Do they Are they okay with that high standard being set? What thoughts do they have? What standards are they setting for you in return so that it's a mutually beneficial conversation as opposed to you just saying, I have this expectation of you now go do it. How can you make that not a one-way street? How can you make that beneficial to both? Something else that Kara talked a lot about was role models. Not only the role models that our children are kind of finding on their own as they're getting older, they're, you know, a little bit more engrossed in the social media and the TV and the heroes world where we get to see the highlight reels of everyone. But how can we bring role models into their life? How can we be a role model? How can we set role models for ourselves? What does that look like? Again, how can that set a reasonable expectation for us? How can we make sure that we are looking up to people for their kindness and their emotional and social intelligence and their willingness to take risks and make mistakes and do hard things while also not making us feel unworthy or guilty or having that sense of imposter syndrome, like we're not good enough, like we're not doing enough. How can we find people to look up to that aren't going to instill that feeling in us? So I really want you to think about who are my role models? Why do I appreciate them? Why do I look up to them? What am I getting out of this It is a one-way relationship sometimes when you are looking up to those role models unless you tell them that. So that's a conversation you can have too. I appreciate you as my role model for this reason. You can ask them how they did it, what they learned, what are their mantras, what do they continue to repeat to themselves, what are those thoughts that are going on inside their head that allow them to be successful in that area. I am all about having those conversations with someone. Not only are they going to feel appreciated that you look up to them in that way, but you are also going to potentially gain some knowledge from them of what can I do to instill some of that confidence? What is that a belief that I have to acquire before I can start to feel that? And these are all very individualized things. All of these things need to be analyzed and questioned in your own life to make sure that they make sense. But without asking those questions and learning from people that we admire, we might miss out on something that could be a really strong tool for us going forward. The last thing that I want to mention about this episode that has been coming up a lot lately, it's one of those things that we talked about a couple weeks ago with Jess Perilla is those signs unique strengths must be a sign because it's coming up over and over and over again as I'm working on building my leadership conference, as I'm listening to podcasts and reading books, these unique strengths keep coming up over and over again. And what does that mean? What does it mean when someone says, throw spaghetti at the wall and see what works for you? To me, finding your unique strengths is about trying new things, having a little bit of adventure, being willing to step outside your comfort zone and knowing that it is not a permanent situation. If you want to try a hobby, if you want to volunteer in a space that maybe you haven't done that before, if you want to join a community board as a leadership position, you are not locked into those things. 
you are going to have experiences that are going to help to shape you as that leader, to help shape you as a more well-rounded human, as an adult, as a teammate, and as a leader, not only in your job, but in your community. So how can you take on some of these things that maybe scare you a little bit, figure out your unique strengths. Because as Cara will talk about in this episode, we have to provide those opportunities to our children because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what it looks like to be good at something until you're given the opportunity to try that thing. And we are in a unique position where we can provide those opportunities to our kids. We can allow them to try new sports and new hobbies, go new places, try new foods, all the things. But we have to do that for ourselves. No one is going to come up and force us to try new things. We have to do those things ourselves. And if you, if it's an absolute no, and that's okay too. You are an adult. You get to make that decision. But what would it look like for you to bring in some unique opportunities to have a new adventure and try new things? You're going to develop your unique strengths, your unique thoughts, your unique actions, all of the different things that are going to help propel you into consistency and discipline going forward. So with all of that being said, it all ties into this amazing conversation that I had with Kara and the world of little dude, her therapy dog that comes in and teaches these practices with her. So I hope you stick around for this episode because it's so, so good and I learned a lot. And without further ado, here's Kara. This week's episode is brought to you by Natural Cycles, the first FDA-cleared birth control app. It allows you to learn the unique pattern of your cycle with tailored updates and insights. Recently, it was updated to pair with your Apple Watch for effortless tracking. It's hormone-free, non-invasive, and effective. The app was also recently updated to allow your partner to log in and keep track to be a part of the process, either for birth control or planning of a pregnancy. By using my link, you will get 20% off of an annual subscription and a free thermometer. Go to DesireePetrick.com slash natural cycles or click on the link in the show notes. All right, friends, I'm here with my friend Kara, and she is going to tell us about all things Little Dude, which until I dove into her website, I didn't realize that was the name of your dog. So I'm really excited to hear all of the behind the scenes and all of the things. So Kara, if individuals were only going to listen for the first five minutes of this, but wanted your expertise, what would be the thing that you would tell them? What's the overarching message that you plan to share today? Sure. So um, Big World of Little Dude is a educational platform that is a resource for parents and teachers to help their children be emotionally healthy. Um, So those things are like foundational skills like kindness, manners, empathy, respect, kindness, all those good skills that you want your young children to have. And how important is it that we are learning those things right along with them? Is it done in a way that that we are also learning? Yes. So the book series can be used at home and a resource in the classroom. And they're really tools for parents and teachers to guide themselves on what type of language and activities um, can cultivate um, social and emotional learning. And how did you get started in this? What brought that all about? So Little Dude is my real-life therapy dog. We've been volunteering with the Good Dog Foundation for 11 years, and we go into many different settings like schools, special needs schools, um, old uh, age care facilities, hospitals, and it was through this experience that I had the realization that 
being kind to others in your community is so important. And even if it's a small act of kindness or something small, it can really have a positive effect on the giver and the receiver of the kindness. And I wanted to teach this idea to the children in my early childhood classroom. So I approached the head of school and I said, can I please bring in Little Dude to teach the kids about why it's important to be kind? So I brought in Little Dude and it really gave me this aha moment of, um, wow, Little Dude and the dog are such an engaging teaching tool. How can I get my message out? And so I was like, oh, I'll write a book about Little Dude. But I realized that one book wasn't going to make such a huge impact. So Mm -hmm. how was I going to make a big impact? Um, I decided I was going to write a book series. This led me down um, a path of exploring social and emotional learning. So we teach ABCs and one, two, threes in a really explicit way in the early childhood classroom. Like, why aren't we teaching what is kindness? What are manners? What are feelings in an explicit way? So that is what... um, that's how Big World of Little Dude came about. So I wrote uh, six books and then I wrote lesson plans to go with each book. And it's kind of evolved from that. That's amazing because I spend a lot of time teaching emotional and social intelligence to adults. And I always say that as adults, we are never truly starting from scratch because we have all of this experience behind us, these interactions with other people. We do have some level of confidence in the fact that we are good people and employees and parents, but children really are in a sense starting from, from scratch. Yes. So how do you, how do you build that kindness and that social emotional skills? How do you teach that? What is the basis of your books? Yeah, so I think parents are children's first teachers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that your children learn from what they see and observe in the world around them and what's in their world around them. It's their parents, it's their family, it's their community, it's who they're exposed to, but really it's what's in the home is the first lessons that they learn and children are always watching you. So I think it's about modeling the behavior that you want to see. So how do you carry yourself through the world? Are you kind to people when you interact in everyday situations? How do you talk to your partner? How do you talk to your children? So all those little things add up, but it's how it's like you're their first teacher. That's the first things that they're observing of like, okay, my adults, my grown-ups, they're behaving in a certain way to navigate through the world. So that must be the way to navigate. So I think it's really important to model the behavior that you want to see in your children. And um, where does Little Dude fit into this learning plan? What is the story that you're getting across using your therapy dog? So Little Dude is, he will, he practice what he preaches. He is a therapy dog. He's doing kind things. So he's a really good lead character. And then each book has a different theme. So I have nine themes. So kindness, manners, empathy, growth mindset, friendship, meditation, courage, and respect. And so each book will talk about that theme using Little Dude as the main character. And then in the back of each book is a how-to guide with activities that parents can use at home. Do you find a lot of times when you go into the schools that you're kind of having to work backwards? Is it becoming more common that students are maybe a little going in the wrong direction and you have to redirect? Or are you finding that it's 
it's still where we want it to be. And this is just growing on top of that. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, Social and emotional learning has been around for a while now, and many schools have social and emotional learning programs. So I think that there's the language and that the teachers are aware and teaching it in the classroom, but it really depends on where you live, what school you're going to, and what emphasis they place on SEL. Um, But I think in general, kids have a pretty good idea, but I still think it's really important to explicitly teach these foundational skills. So kindness, I want to come back to that because a lot of the individuals listening are parents, but Mm -hmm. most of the time we're talking about in a work setting and Mm -hmm. kindness is something that needs to be held in all regards with all people. But what would you say to someone who is trying to take the responsibility of being a good leader by being kind to other people, Mm -hmm. but those people are not reciprocating that kindness? They're not being kind back. How are you kind to someone who is not kind to you? Mm, That's a good question. I mean, I think there's different ways. I guess if it's in a workplace situation and someone, are you talking about if you are running a company and people who you're managing aren't being kind? Yes and yes. Whether it's a teammate to a teammate just trying to work together or someone leading a team where individuals aren't being kind to one another. I think if that is the case, then you may have a systemic cultural issue Mm. of like the culture of the company and, and the way you run things. And usually if the leader isn't kind, then that may filter down. But, um, I would do a, I would make it a point of doing some, some leadership, a leadership day where you are creating a, Um, work environment where people feel connected and they feel like they're part of a community because when you start feeling like you're part of a community and you start knowing the people who you are working with it's really a great way to sort of build that foundational empathy that you should be having for one another and I think now with remote learning that's really difficult to do I mean not remote learning but Working from home, I think that's more difficult to do, but I think there needs to be some kind of hybrid model where you do gather everyone together and create that culture of kindness. Mm -hmm. It's not going to just happen magically. I think it's something that you um, you have to do. I like that you paired the word culture with systemic, showing that it really does start at the top Mm -hmm. and it has to trickle down. But how are you... I feel like I have a lot of experience that had to require resilience, the passing of individuals, you know, maybe jobs that were tougher. How do you build resilience without first having to hit rock bottom or be in a position where it's not an option? Is there a way that you're teaching these kids about resiliency? Yeah, I think you do this through sort of growth mindset. Um, So understanding that First of all, reframing mistakes. I think that's an important one. So everyone makes mistakes. You need to make mistakes to grow and you learn from your mistakes. Like some of the best, um, some of the best pivots I've made in my company is from failures and mistakes because you're not going to learn if you don't know where you're going wrong. And that's a good opportunity to sort of refocus. Okay. And reflect. So I think that's important. So reframing um, failures as learning opportunities and then resilience is that's life. You know, you 
are going to have times where people are going to say no to you. They're going to close the door on you, but it's teaching that like intrinsic motivation to keep going. And I think that's part of like growth mindset. So it's the inner dialogue that you have with yourself. So instead of saying, oh, I can't do this. This is too hard. You could reframe it in your mind and just be like, this is hard, but I'm working on it. You know, so it's just reframing the inner dialogue that you have. Um, and that, yeah, just I think teaching resilience is really important to kids because nothing is easy in life. Not everything is going to be a smooth train. So setting up your kids to take risks, to fail, and to know that they have your support. Can you give us an example of a way to set up that risk? Sure. Um I have, um, so yeah, I, I sort of, I kind of have some ideas of about, um, empowering kids to, um, yeah, teaching resilience and perseverance, perseverance. So teaching that resilience and perseverance is really crucial for developing the confidence required for leadership at home and for the children. Um, So some practical ideas for instilling these qualities in children, as I mentioned, growth mindset, this really um, encouraged children to see challenges as opportunities to learn and grow. So teaching in that intelligence and abilities can be developed through effort and persistence. So that's the idea around growth mindset. Um, You can do like setting realistic goals. So helping children set achievable short-term and long-term goals and not, um, so say they're struggling with a certain subject like reading, don't make, oh, you have to read, just break it down into baby steps you know, make it really short, attainable goals. So today we're just going to learn the sounds of the letters and that's it. And then once they've achieved that goal, then you can set another small goal because sometimes, you know, it can be, um, it's easy to set things in smaller manageable tasks and then celebrate that progress along the way. So in, and reinforcing that importance of um, persevering, Um And also I think we need to teach like coping strategies for um, managing those um, stresses and setbacks uh, because that's going to happen too. You're not going to learn something straight away. You've got to persevere through something. So teaching um, techniques, not in the moment, but um, prior to that, so giving kids a toolbox. So things like deep breathing I think is really important. And then, as I said, positive self-talk. So, you know, I, I can give you an example. My daughter really doesn't like maths. She thinks she's terrible at maths. She doesn't get it. And so she kept saying to herself, I hate maths. I hate maths. And I kind of had a conversation with her of like, the more you say something, it becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, I hate maths, you say to yourself, I'm working on it and I'm getting better. And so just reframing that and I think it's important to sort of, especially if you have kids struggling with something, like talking to their teacher. So this is the language I'm using at home. Can you please use this language in the classroom? And so they're getting that message, not just from the parent. Um, And then I think, yeah, like celebrating those mistakes as learning opportunity. So shifting the perspective on mistakes and framing framing them as 
valuable learning opportunities. So like cultivating that environment that um, making mistakes is a natural part of the learning process and, you know, encouraging your children to embrace those challenges. Um, I also think like having role models is really important. So you could share stories of individuals who've overcome challenges and setbacks to achieve success. So you could even choose it like whoever is your do- kid's role models. Like right now, my daughter's really into Taylor Swift. So mm. I, I would use her because it's, you, you know, you, you look at your kids, what are they interested in? My son's really interested in cars or trains. So I would try and like find a role model that does that, you know, so you, you, you want your kids to be engaged with who that role model is and um, see, like, are there any setbacks that Taylor Swift had and how did she overcome them? You know, you can, I think role models are a great um, um, tool. And also you can use yourself, like your personal ex- stories of how you overcame challenges because they can really relate to those stories. And that's another way you can connect with your child is, you know, m- you know, mom's not perfect. I had this issue and it was really difficult and challenging and you share that story with them and it makes you vulnerable and opens that connection with your child. I'm curious, and this is a personal question in mm-hmm. that my husband and I have very high standards for our children. Mm-hmm. In the sense that we want them to be kind and we want them to be polite. We want them to succeed in things. And so sometimes mm-hmm. those high standards, um, they come across in different ways. But like my daughter, if she's, if she colors outside of the lines, she gets really frustrated because mm-hmm. she already has that perfectionism mindset at four years old. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to feel like you instilled that in them by having high standards, mm-hmm. um, but how how do you balance that without giving them this complex that they have to be perfect, but still wanting to instill that need to want to be a kind and successful child and adult? Mm. I think as parents, we have these sort of expectations of what you want your children to be. And I think you have to meet your kids where they're at. I think that's really important. Um, I I think that's really important because you don't know who your child's going to become and what they're going to be like. And so you got to meet them where they're at. Um, and then I would just have many conversations about it's okay to go out of the lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would just keep going back to that of having conversations until, you know, they get it. And they hear it over and over again. Are you signed up for my newsletter yet? If not, I want to tell you all about why you need to get signed up for this weekly newsletter. It's not one of those that you're going to need to save for later to read. It's something you could skim in less than a minute, but I promise you the benefits of checking in are going to be well worth your time. I tell a one minute story. I give you the book recommendation for what I'm reading that week, as well as a product that has changed my business and or my life. And I want to always give you an opportunity to check into the newest episode of the podcast. So if that's something that you want to be a part of, I want you to go to my website, DesireePetrick.com slash newsletter and get signed up. I promise you, you won't want to miss it. So that's DesireePetrick.com slash newsletter. So when you're talking about role models, 
Are you instilling any of these? Are you purposely putting these people in your children's lives or is this something that they're finding on their own? Well, it depends on their age, but my daughter is eight and she's definitely like, she's kind of finding them on her own, but also you can find role models too. Like there's these uh, great book series. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's like, um, it's people in history and you can read stories about them. So you could, you can incorporate that too. Like there's a book about like Coco Chanel and my daughter's really Mm. into art and drawing. So I might read her a book about that and it'll say her life story and the troubles that she had. So you can, Use I, I use literature and storytelling. I think that's a really great tool to um, engage children. Um, and there's, you know, whatever their interest, wherever their interest lies, you can find a story about who created trains or who's a great artist. Like, as I said, you, you know, what does your child engage with and go from there. Use that because that will engage them in their book or in their learning if you use an interest, interesting topic for them. Yeah. I like that. I feel like I'm not tapping into your expertise, expertise as much as I could. So what questions am I not asking? What do you feel is really important that you teach that I haven't asked about yet? Mm. Um, well, we have like that whole set of questions and I'm happy to sort of start going through some of that information if you would like to, just to give some practical ideas. Yeah, please. Let's tap into that. Okay, sure. So one of your questions was how can parents identify and nurture their child's, you know, unique strengths to boost their leadership? Because I guess we're talking about leadership. Um, So in terms of like nurturing their unique strengths, it's really essential um, in boosting their sort of leadership potential. And so there's some strategies that you can use at home. Um, So yeah, observation and reflection. We kind of, you kind of touched on this with like the role models. So like observe your child's interests and activities and interactions to sort of identify their preferences um, and sort of observe your child. Like on what occasions do they demonstrate enthusiasm about a particular skill? Um, and I think use, use that um, as a way to engage with your kids Um, And I would also encourage exploration. So provide a variety of experiences and activities to expose your children to different interests because they're not going to know until they try. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like allow them to explore different hobbies and sports and arts and academic subjects to really discover their passions. And as your children grow, you really start to see their personalities and where their interests lie and where their strengths are. Um, I also tell my daughter, like, because sometimes she'll compare herself to others and I just have to give her the message, like, you cannot be good at everything. Like, it's just not, no one is good at everything. Everyone has their strengths. Everyone has their weaknesses and you just focus on your strengths. You know, that's where we're going to focus. Um, but just setting up that idea that just because your friend is good at math or a better writer than you you, you know, just trying to like curb that comparison because that starts really early and I think is exacerbated by social media because you're constantly comparing yourselves to others. Um, and, yeah, just be a supportive guide. Um, 
sort of provide encouragement without imposing your own sort of ideas, that idea about expectations, like just because you have a certain expectation of your kid of what you want them to be, like your kid is an individual and you kind of have to let them explore who they are and what their interests are and you act as their guide. Um, so you can encourage sort of leadership skills and opportunities for your kids. So, um, you know, you can you can start with just sort of even things in your home that they can take leadership and ownership over, even if it's just small tasks that they get to do um, on their own. So I have a, a follow-up question to that. How important is it for us to be pushing our kids outside of their comfort zone to try these new things to see what they like? Um, you know, they always say, get out of your comfort zone. And as an adult, it's scary, but we have the tools to mm-hmm. be able to to handle that. How are we or should we be pushing our kids outside of their, their natural tendencies if a kid is extremely introverted or um, pulling a kid back if they're extremely extroverted so that they're not monopolizing the conversation? Where does our part come in on that? Mm. I think it's allowing your kids to take risks um, and kind of giving them gentle pushes in a certain direction and kind of saying, try it once, like baby steps. You don't have to do this for the rest of your life. Why don't we just try it for, you know, I'll I'll bring another example. Like my daughter did soccer. She's not really that sporty. I was like, let's just try it for one term. And if you don't like it at the end, you've given it a go and we'll just try find something else. So I think it's a lot of trial and error, but gentle encouragement, um, trying to facilitate like with friends. I think that's also a way to get your kid maybe involved in other activities. Um, And then also just allowing your kids a little bit of freedom and to take risks and to be independent, to do things on their own. Um, So for example, it was like a snow day here yesterday and I just let my kids play freely outside. I wasn't there with them. I wasn't policing their play. I just let them play and just have the freedom to, you know, Okay, so I was a little nervous. Oh, they're outside by themselves, stranger danger, even though like I live in a safe neighborhood. So sometimes it's your own fears that are holding your kids back in a way, but just allowing them to have that freedom, knowing that like you are there to keep them safe if something goes wrong or if they need your help, that you're going to be there for them. Mm -hmm. And also like setting up boundaries for your kids. Kids really respond to boundaries. Yeah, they're going to push the boundaries, but setting up the boundaries I think is so important. What about siblings? Again, this is a selfish question on my part. How much do you let them kind of fight it out <laughs> um, as opposed to to policing the situation? Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, the sibling is definitely really normal to have that sort of silly play that maybe goes too far or um, competition or sometimes they get like rough with each other. Um, I think it's about having conversations, you know, if it's trying to like calm it in this, in the moment, but then having addressing it later when things are calm. I think that's really important. And to talk to each child separately about how we play with our siblings or why it's important to be kind or why it's important not to do hitting. Like that's a house rule. We don't hit. Mm -hmm. Like, Would you like to be hit? No. Well, then why are you hitting the other? 
person. And usually it's about communication. If someone's doing hitting, like my son is much younger, so he may not have the verbal skills to um, express how he's feeling when he's feeling frustrated, especially when he's tired, you know. So it's just about sort of setting up that dynamic with your siblings. Look, your little brother's smaller. He doesn't have the language to express his frustrations. And so just having those individual conversations in a calm moment, I think helps. And everything that we've talked about, everything that you've said could just as easily be taken into a team setting, into a work setting, the kindness, the empathy, the transparency, the authenticity, all of it can be translated into that work setting and those relationships. Um, But specifically, when we're working with other people, that conflict can sometimes feel like it's getting out of hand. But to address the matters, like you said, prior to and setting boundaries, but then also after when things have calmed down is the only way that it's going to be able to be a conversation versus a one way. Yeah, and I think listening is really important. Teaching our kids how to listen is really important skill because, yeah, it's an important skill to teach your kids how to listen, why it's important to listen, and do the listening yourself. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited. I had an opportunity to dig through your website as I was preparing for this, and I think that the lessons that you share are extremely important. I'm looking forward to digging into them more. So if others want to figure out kind of what it is that you're all about as far as the Little Dude series, where can they find you? Uh, I'm at World of Little Dude on Instagram um, and my website, worldoflittledude.com are the best places to find me. And I'm going to put all of this in the show notes so everyone can just go ahead and click on it. I hope everyone takes some time to check it out. And one question that I ask everyone is, what is the one book that you feel every individual should read to be a more well-rounded human, a better parent, all the things? Okay. There's an amazing um, psychologist at the faculty of Harvard's Graduate School of Education. His name is Richard Weisbord, and he's written a book called The Parents We Mean to Be. I think it's a really great book for parents. He's really smart, and um, he is, you know, at, with the, all the latest research about parenting, um, and he would be a really great person to follow and read. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. One last thing for you, Kara. If I were to have you sum it all up and you tell us what it means to lead with confidence, go. Um, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Have confidence in yourself that you have the knowledge and you have um, the power within to be confident. I think just believing in yourself is very important. Loving yourself believing in yourself. I love that. Um, You talked about the ABCs and how instilling that is so important. And I have this saying, it's acquire the belief in your confidence Mm because it really truly is just finding that belief. Once you, once you have that belief that you have the confidence, you're going to do things more confidently instead of waiting for this event or this thing, or for someone to say something, Mm -hmm. just acquire that belief. It really does make a difference. So Cara, thank you so much for coming on here today and having this conversation as a parent of two littles. It meant a lot to me and I'm really excited to see everything that you've been doing and I can't wait to follow you for more. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you today. 
I want to thank you for joining me as we grow together and learn to lead with confidence. Do you know someone who would benefit from hearing today's message? I would love if you would share it with them and share to your Instagram stories. Tag me at Desiree Petrick and send me a message if there's a topic you want to have covered. You can also send me an email at leadwithconfidencepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, see you on the next episode of Lead with Confidence.